This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, July 2nd, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. It's not a blockbuster of a case, but the Supreme Court's ruling in a patent case last month may have big implications for federal regulating going forward. Cato's Tommy Berry details the case and why it may end up delivering more accountability to federal agencies. We're about to get way into the weeds here. And this is a Supreme Court decision, United States versus Arthrex, just rolls off the tongue. But in general, what was the issue that the Supreme Court is trying to address here? And, and what's give us a little bit of the background, too. Sure. So the uh, hard to pronounce Arthrex is a company dealing with medical technology and stuff. I have no clue how it works. Um, but luckily, that doesn't matter to the actual merits of the case. The case was about the patent system and specifically the system for canceling a patent. Someone uh, accused Arthrex of having a patent they shouldn't have. And that went through a process set up by a statute passed about 10 years ago uh, where a panel of three administrative patent judges decide whether to essentially um, cancel a patent. And the problem is that those administrative patent judges are not nominated by the president and confirmed by the Senate. They're instead selected and hired by the Secretary of Commerce. And the issue there is that the Constitution has a clause called the Appointments Clause that sets a bright line between two kinds of officers, principal and inferior. And it only allows uh, hiring by someone like a Secretary of Commerce, a department head, if you're inferior. So the question in this case was, are these administrative patent judges inferior? And the test that the Supreme Court has set out is to be inferior, you have to be directed and supervised by essentially a direct superior. Um, And what the Supreme Court held in this case by a five to four vote was that these administrative patent judges are not directed and supervised because their decision is not appealable to anyone in the executive branch. Even the uh, director of the Patent and Trademark Office has no ability uh, to look at their decision, reverse it, or anything else, or even um, challenge it. So what the Supreme Court said is that that's uh, essentially the buck has to stop with someone who's been nominated by the president and confirmed by the Senate when you're dealing with um, a decision that affects people's rights like this one. Okay. So uh, broadly, we have administrative rulemaking and administrative interpretations of their own rules. To what extent are those decisions accountable? Yeah, that's the, that's the key question is that this to what extent can this decision be extrapolated to other kinds of important decisions that b- federal bureaucrats make? So even though this decision was about whether or not to cancel a patent, uh federal bureaucrats all the time are making decisions to issue rules that are essentially for all intents and purposes they look like legislation. They're deciding what's illegal and what's not illegal. In my prior job litigating, I dealt with a case about um regulations related to cigars and vaping and the like that essentially a single bureaucrat who is not uh, appointed by the president or confirmed by the Senate decided that an entire industry was practically illegal. Um, And so the issue is, since the Supreme Court said the decision to cancel a patent has to be appealable to someone confirmed by the Senate, I think there's a strong possibility that the same reasoning applies to those types of rules. So uh, you've written that agencies have engaged in this practice for a long time. That is, they delegate some authority to an inferior uh, agency employee to approve, uh, in some cases, final rules. That is, uh, regulations from those agencies that govern all of our, can potentially govern all of our behaviors 
And yet the people who are approved by the Senate, to the extent they're even aware of it, they don't have uh, their sign off is not required. Exactly. And that's a problem because the appointments clause is really about accountability. It's a, it recognizes the fact that the president and the Senate both have democratic legitimacy. Uh, you know, a person who was essentially hired by the Secretary of Commerce, that's a few changes. That's a few uh, steps down on the chain of accountability. That's essentially an appointee of an appointee of the president. And when you allow someone that low to make a decision, either adjudication or rulemaking, you're essentially allowing uh, the people who have been confirmed by the Senate to avoid accountability. And then you can't really blame any senator uh, for having voted to confirm the decision maker. I'm thinking about this in the context of Congress, which loves to pass vague laws and uh, have administration agencies, administrative agencies, just handle it or figure it out or write rules to put meat on the bones of this vague law. This is, uh, in some sense, worse than that, because whatever law Congress passes, administrative agencies have to deal with it and and write regulations that actually uh, are then put forth and imposed upon the private sector. Uh, but in in this case, we're talking about people who are simply, as far as we can tell, not particularly accountable without some sort of congressional action. Exactly. So you really don't have democratic legitimacy on either side. You don't have um, any sort of statute passed by Congress that specifically laid out what's in the rule, and you don't have any uh, inkling that someone confirmed by the Senate signed off on that rule. And I think what's key is that it's not so much that underlings are insubordinating their superiors, it's that they're allowing their superiors to have plausible deniability. When you issue it without the sign-off of someone confirmed by the Senate, they can essentially wait in the background, and if the rule is popular, they can take credit for it. If it's unpopular, they can say they never knew about it. Um, and that's just not compatible with what the, what the framers expected the Appointments Clause to do, which was to allow the people to blame elected senators and the president um, for the decisions, the important decisions of appointees. So uh, let's say there's a, I guess, not particularly radical change. Uh, lawmakers like to do the smallest possible thing to correct whatever the perceived problem is. Uh, let's say they make a change and say, hey, look, no more administrative agency rules without sign off from the guy at the top, or if not the the person at the top, then somebody who had to face a Senate confirmation. What what difference would that make? Uh, I think it would make a difference first and foremost for accountability. Uh, it would allow sp people to specifically blame or praise uh, not just the person who made the decision, but the senators and the president who appointed the person. Whether that would uh, affect the decision making, I think you have to uh, go with the framers' insight on this, which is that if Senate confirmation didn't matter, they wouldn't have uh, fought so hard to include that in the Constitution. And it was quite a fight in the framing era whether to allow the president to appoint unilaterally. But the framers, I think correctly, thought that there needs to be some kind of check against the threat of cronyism or incompetent appointments. Uh, and so the entire sort of federal appointment process is premised on this notion that Senate confirmation is an important vetting process and that decisions will be improved by having gone through that process. So there is a difference between what's going on in this case, a case about a lower level employee canceling a patent and this 
the gargantuan process of creating from federal agencies. So what is likely to be the next step in trying to rein in agency rulemaking? There is a difference, but there's certainly a lot of analogies. As the Supreme Court said in its opinion, billions of dollars can turn on a single decision to cancel a patent. So that's certainly, um, you can, it's not much of a leap by analogy to say that that decision is similar to the types of regulatory rules that can also affect industries to the tunes of, tune of billions of dollars. So essentially what needs to happen and has happened a bit in the past, but needs to continue to happen, is lawsuits challenging these rules and just bringing it to the attention of the courts that, look, by the exact same reasoning the Supreme Court set out here, um, th this is a system where the buck stops with someone who's a few chains down on the line of accountability. And the Supreme Court pretty clearly said that's uh, not compatible with the Appointments Clause. Tommy Berry is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.